welcome to the Celebration Sessions with me, Connor Clear, a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. This is my little exploration into how we fall in love, how we celebrate the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. A reminder of the positivity that can come from making the most of the important times. Above all, a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on this journey. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. Yes, the Celebration Sessions. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening, episode one. How very exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. Now, as my generic opening uh, just said there, (laughs) this is where I hope to unpack life, loss and love. So what can you expect from this podcast? Well, as I step further into the world of being a celebrant, I guess I want to explore and just learn more about what makes us tick. How do we celebrate? How do we embrace the good times? Um, But also, I guess, how we embrace those inevitable bad times along the way as well. Now, this first episode, um, I'm hoping is just going to be a small, gentle step into 2021 and... I just wanted to be a little reminder that there are plenty of amazing things happening around us and and really so many reasons to to have a positive outlook for the year ahead. Now, before we even start to celebrate, we need to remind ourselves about those positive things that are happening. So this episode, as I said, an attempt to remind ourselves that despite the absolute circus of horrors that we have all endured in 2020, there are still some pretty cool things happening. Now, my first guest on the celebration sessions, I can't believe we get to say that, um, (laughs) is a writer and a broadcaster. You'll know her voice from News Talk. And indeed, you'll know her from Virgin Media. I've become a a massive fan of of her Twitter series, How to Stay Sane During the Pandemic. Please welcome the wonderful Barbara Scully. Barbara, how are you doing? (laughs) Oh, you're very kind. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. I am fine. I like your description and I may well use it, Circus of Horrors. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still, I think I'm reasonably sane. But again, we've nothing really to measure that by at the moment. So I may have lost my marbles completely in the last few months, but I think I'm all right. Well, this is good. Barbara, you're my first guest on this podcast. I'm very honoured. I'm so thrilled that you agreed to do it. Thank you so much. I'm delighted. It's uh, it's an honour. Listen, as we leave 2020 behind and settle into 2021 now, how are you feeling about the year ahead? Um, You know what? I think it is really important. And without wishing to sound like a Pollyanna, I think it is really important that we try our best to stay as positive as we can. The last, I mean, the early days of this year have been bruising, to say the least. We seem to be hurtling backwards at a rate of knots, and it's very worrying. Um, and I know that people are actually, I was just talking to my two daughters in the kitchen who were both adults, and I was just saying to them, you know, we need to recognize that we are all under a level of stress that we may not even know we're under, you know, because, you know, it's not like the stress of some catastrophe that has happened immediately. This has been a long, drawn out process. And and I was saying to the girls, and I think this is true, that when we look back on this whole pandemic, when it's all over, and it will be over, 
I think this would be the hardest part, the part that we're in right now, straight after Christmas, when all the natural, our natural tendencies have always been to welcome a new year, you know, to put paid to the old year and say goodbye, good luck, good riddance, don't let the door smack you on the arse on the way out, 2020, cheerio. <laughs> and let's set sail into 2021, we have a vaccine, you know, it's going to be good. And then everything, the, the opposite of all that happened. The numbers are going up. We've got this new variant, which is very uh, contagious. And it all seems to be very, it seems to be very dark. And it is very dark. I'm not trying to minimize that, but I am saying all we can do is literally, and again, I, I test drive all these theories on my girls who sometimes tell me to <laughs> shut up, I'm talking rubbish. But I said, all we can do is deal with today. And that's really important. So you get up in the morning and you just deal with today and you make a plan for the day and you make the best of the day and you recognize what you can't do, but equally you look at what you can do. And then tomorrow you do it all again and you're a, fir- you're a, a day closer to the end each time you do that. And that's all we can do. So that's what I'm doing. That is very profound. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to steal that as a mantra. And uh, one day, one day at a time, it just deal with today. It literally is. It literally is. It's one day. And, and recognizing that each day we get through, we're another day closer to the end of this shit show. Um, and that that's that's important. Now, that is that is a, a positive thought that I, that I definitely want to, to cling on to. And really, I, and, and I think what I want this whole series to be about is that no matter what any of us are going through in life and and there'll be listeners listening to this podcast who will be going through horrendous stuff whether it's uh whether it's health related whether it's covid related whether it's financial or employment or relationships uh, and not that like I, i'd never want to start spouting this positive energy stuff that hey just think positive because that's not the way it works but if if you can find a way of just reminding yourself that no matter what it is that you are going through and experience, mm. experiencing, there is something positive out there for you to cling on to. Yeah. That, that exists and that will always exist. Yeah, I think that's very important. And I think yeah. that is where, and I know this is one of the things you wanted to talk about, so I hope I'm not stealing your thunder or, or kind of jumping <laughs> ahead of myself. But I think that's where the natural world is really, really important. And even before COVID, anybody who's lost anybody, anybody who's been bereaved will know that when you were at your darkest time, you know, grieving for somebody whose death perhaps was sudden, was unexpected, somebody's been ripped out of your life that you didn't expect, and you are in this very dark despair, I always found the one thing that you took comfort from was if you stopped, and sometimes you can't immediately do this, But if you look around you and you look at Mother Nature and she is carrying on, she's just getting on with whatever she always does. That's really, really valuable. And I think that was one of the lessons that came out very strongly from the first part of lockdown. When the world went quiet, you know, in March, when we were all told to stay home, don't go out. You can only go two kilometers to do exercise and then you stay home. So we were all staying home. But it was springtime, nature's busiest time of year. Nature was very, very busy. And suddenly we had the space, the time, the lack of distraction and the silence in which to hear the birds singing. I mean, the amount of people on Twitter were going, oh, my God, the birds like I, I, I've yeah. never heard the birds before. And that's a terrible indictment for how we've lived for decades um, and how we have become so disconnected from Mother Earth. Um, and I think that if That is, I hope, going to be one of the major positives that will come out of all this eventually, is that 
we learn what we have, what various people like David Attenborough has been saying for decades. We learn to honor this planet on which we live and we are part of and all of the other creatures that we share uh, this planet with. And we learn to honor that and see ourselves as part of that labyrinth and part of that um you know patchwork of life on the planet uh, and 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 honor that uh because it will sustain us you know and not just physically i mean obviously we need this planet for our physical health but for our mental and spiritual health as well it is it's so true. hugely important it is so true. And that was, in fact, one of the things that I wanted to put on the table um, about amazing things that are happening around the world at the moment. And it's the idea that for me, the, the, the frame I was going to put it through is the fact that the animal world seems to be prevailing. There is so much amazing things happening. Um, but, but taking it back to nature, one of my favorite images, I think, uh, going back to uh, what we'll call lockdown one. Are we going to call it that? If we go <laughs> yeah. back to Mar yeah, March or April, were those shots of the grass uh, growing through the cracks on Grafton Street. Yeah. I just thought that was a wonderful thing to see. Uh, and at the time then, in and around that time, we saw images of, I think it might have been dolphins and different creatures coming back into the canals of Venice as well. And all of these areas that hadn't, been inhabited by animals in so long had started to be repopulated again. I just found that such an exciting thing to see. Yeah, um, yeah, no, definitely. I'm not sure about the dolphins in Venice. I think that may have been an urban myth, but certainly <laughs> I think what happened was I was struck as well by, I have a particular fondness for foxes. Um, and, and I remember there was a couple of photographs in the paper of foxes on Grafton Street and foxes outside Doyle Aaron because the whole world was so quiet and people had stepped back. There was a flock of wild goats that wandered through a village in Wales somewhere as well because yeah, the village yeah, was yeah, quiet yeah, and they weren't yeah. threatened. But I think the important message is that these animals are all there all the time. We just didn't see them before because this we were, number one, we were too busy. We were making too much noise. So the animals were pushed back into the periphery and we weren't aware of them. But they are always there. And it's one of the things that I feel terribly strongly about is that as we develop urban areas, we need to recognize that the animals that inhabit these areas have just as much of a right to be in those areas absolutely, as we do. Absolutely. And I wish that we would see more of our development taking that into consideration. For example, I'm talking to you from my office, which is like a posh shed at the end of my garden. And over my over the back hedge um, is a school uh, owned by the Christian Brothers. Um, and they have quite a large playing pitch area outside, which has been a winter feeding ground for Brent geese for the last probably nearly a decade. But the numbers of geese grew and grew. And they are one of the sites in Dublin, not just where I am, that would absolutely blow your socks off. When you see a flock of Brent geese, and these geese come Amazing. from the high Arctic Amazing. in Canada, and they spend the winter here in the mildness. And they feed on lots of playing pitches. They need short grass. So playing pitches, golf courses, parks where the, 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 the grass is kept down are, are, is a perfect ground for them. And if you just look up and you watch these squadrons of geese and they all honk as they fly and they make this incredible noise as they fly over my house and go into the field behind, that kind of stuff is just the kind of stuff that really does help you to stay sane, stay grounded 
And no matter what is going on all around us that seems to be reasonably at times hopeless, you see these geese who have no idea about coronavirus, who couldn't care less, and they are doing what they always do. Ditto with, I have a fox who comes in every night for his supper. He has no clue about coronavirus. He just wants his supper every night, and I give it to him, and off he goes. And have you named the fox? Oh, like there's a long story here, which I won't bore you with. But yeah, this is the second generation of foxes. And well, he's I think he's the brother of, I first noticed foxes about two years ago, and it was during the presidential election. So I named them after the candidates. There was three of them. So there was Gavin, who I named after Gavin Duffy. There was um, Sean, who oh, I named wow. after Sean, whatever his name was. <laughs> and there was Joe, who I named after Joan Freeman. So I think the one that is still coming, I've called him Sean. And I think it, it, it's the same guy. But only last night I was saying to my husband, Sean's looking very fat. <laughs> so I'm wondering, <laughs> is Sean actually Joan? And is, is Sean pregnant? So I, I'm not sure. Stop but, really. uh, yeah, I've had, I've had the, the first year after we built this shed, posh shed, I had a fox who came and burrowed underneath and lived under there and gave birth to cubs under there. So I had cubs in the garden about two years ago. It was amazing. Absolutely. And, and do you know what it's like? I, just to echo the point that you've made, I think it's the idea that all of this was happening around us always before March 2020. Exactly. But now we've just had an opportunity to actually see this and take this in. And to realize that it's important to our mental health. It, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. natural world around us, we would be completely lost without it. We are part of it, uh, but it is a huge part of us as well. And um, when everything else, as I say, has gone to shit, uh, the birds in the trees, the fox in the field, the bread geese flying overhead, the heron in the river, all of that stuff suddenly grounds us and makes us yeah, feel, yeah, you know what, yeah, yeah. life goes on, this will pass, the wheel of the year is turning, Mother Nature is doing her stuff. And it absolutely, be okay. Absolutely. Channel that. Channel that. Now, um, so one of the other things that, that might actually lead us into one of the things you've put on your list as the mm. uh, most uplifting things happening at the moment. And you talked about a, a greater sense of place, which I found fascinating and I loved. Tell me about that. Okay. So um, anybody who follows me on social media uh, will know that I got a bike as a Christmas present last year. <laughs> um, now, I am not a, a small person. And um, I was diagnosed with diabetes a year and a half ago. So I had to take my health into, I had to take my health in hand and I had to lose weight, which I did. And I had to exercise, which I was allergic to. I mean, capital letters the whole way. And part of that, my mad daughter, my eldest daughter lives in Perth in Western Australia. She came home for Christmas last year and she brought with her my Christmas present, which was a bike. And because my bike comes from Australia, her name is Sheila. <laughs> so Sheila and I started a very rocky relationship just nearly a year ago. I hadn't cycled anywhere since I was quite young. Um, and it was one of the most terrifying things that I ever did. But again, because we went into lockdown in March, the roads cleared. And suddenly I had a road with no traffic on it where I could experiment if I could still actually ride a bike and get through a junction and all the rest of it. So I've been cycling and I have and my cycling has kept me sane during a lot of this, because when you feel all your freedom has been taken away, a bike gives you back that sense of freedom. You can yeah, go yeah, further yeah. on a bike than you can walking. You can explore places that you wouldn't walking because you're not going to walk you know, a mile down the road that ends up going nowhere and you have to walk the whole mile back, but you'll cycle it, no problem. You'll do it on a bike. 
Yeah. So we've been cycling. I got my husband on board then as well. So the two of us have been cycling. Now we're two fat middle-aged old people cycling around um, (laughs) South County, Dublin. I don't want to give anybody the impression that the two of us are in Lycra beating around and about to do the Tour de France. We're not. We do slow cycling. But in that cycling, I have suddenly... Discover, first of all, I, I live about a mile and a half away from where I grew up. So I would I would say that I know my area very well. But I've realized I don't know my area very well. This is it, yeah. I have rediscovered places I had forgotten existed. So you'd be cycling along and I'd say to Sherwood, oh, God, I think that lane links up to the other estate and then we can get out. And he's like, really? And I'm going, I remember walking this when I was like a teenager. Yeah. And so off we go. So we've discovered lanes and cut-throughs and shortcuts that I had forgotten existed. But what I have also discovered is I have become fascinated with local history in just wanting to know about places that, again, a bit like the natural world, I'm suddenly seeing places that were always there, but I was never curious about. So one example, I live about a mile away from IADT, the Dunleary School of Art and Design. Yeah, yeah. And it's in a big campus, which when I was growing up was known as Carrig Lee. And I knew it was some kind of a religious order place. Like, I think actually it was a training place for baby priests or something. Anyway. Okay, Carrig Lee. Yeah. What I never knew until recently when I got curious and Googled is that that was an industrial school. The Christian Brothers ran it as an industrial school and it was right up there with, it was smaller, but it was meant to be the Southside version of Artane. And it was, by all accounts, it was as brutal a regime as ran in Artane or in um, Letterfrack in Connemara. Uh, I never knew this. It was, it was a industrial school from, I think, the late 1800s till 1958. And that makes a huge difference. So now when I cycle in there and it's, you know, it's got the old buildings in the middle. You can see, obviously, the the influence of the church. You know, there is a chapel. There's religious symbols around. So you knew it was a, a religious orders place. But now I cycle around and I never go in there without thinking of the boys, some of whom yeah, might have yeah. been as young as six who must have just found it to be such a lonely, cold, brutal place. Um, And that makes a difference, you know? Yeah, when you know about it, you feel that emotionally when you enter that space then, don't you? You really do. And I feel it's important that we kind of honour that. Mm, And mm. I I mean, another example is, uh, again, Monkstown was my closest village growing up. So again, I always thought I knew it. There is in the centre of Monkstown a Quaker meeting hall, which I knew. And I know about the Quakers. And I knew the Quakers were very good during the famine, provided a lot of relief to the starving uh, people. But it was only cycling there recently, I noticed that beside the meeting hall in a wall is a plaque nearly covered with ivy that says this plaque marks the spot where there was a window. And behind it was a soup kitchen where the Quakers served soup to the starving people in Monkstown. And again, I just stood there and went, wow, this is less than 200 years ago that this was happening. and yet we we forget so quickly what went on in our local area. But the biggest thing I discovered, which blew my socks off completely. Oh, now, on. I'm trying to verify it a little bit. I referred to the geese <laughs> in the field, which is belonging to the school, which is also owned by the Christian brothers. I'll tell you something. The other thing I've discovered is religious orders own a, a whole lot of land <laughs> around Dublin. Anyway. This is true. This is yeah. true. <laughs> so the field that's behind me now belonging to the school, I have discovered through the local history club. Now, I'm trying to verify this, but I'm fairly sure they're right. 
Charles Stuart Parnell, one of our great um, nationalist uh, politicians, Home Rule yeah. and all the rest of it. Now, I'm not, I'm not an expert on history by any means. In 1891, one of his very last, he used to hold these monster public meetings, these huge public meetings where he would address the crowd and he was selling Home Rule for Ireland and pursuing, you know, a nationalist agenda. One of his last public meetings was in South Dublin on a farm that was owned by Mr. I can't remember his name. But the local history club have uh, worked out that that farm literally was right beside where I'm now speaking from. So in 1891, it is quite possible that people stood in what is now my back garden in order to listen to Charles Stuart Parnell. Now, I never knew that. I am sure that the majority of my neighbours don't know that. I'm not even sure if the school knows that. Um, And that is just incredible. And again, there is nothing to mark that. And I'm finding it very hard to totally verify that story. The local history club published a booklet about it. Fantastic. But I've no reason to believe they quote um, newspaper sources at the time, but none of it is online. And with libraries closed, I can't really totally verify it. But I'm pretty sure they're on the money. So imagine while we can't travel, you know, this time of year, we'd normally, well, most people, me included, would be making plans for what are we going to do this year? Where are we going to go on our holidays? You know, maybe we'll do a weekend break somewhere. And you put energy into discovering a little bit about where you're going to go. Because we think we know everything about where we come from, but we don't. This is it. Um, this and is so it. if anybody's bored out of their tree listening to this and is walking around their neighborhood, go home and do a little bit of a little bit of furkling around online. You'll be amazed. I would guarantee you'll be amazed at what you'll find. Literally, like Mother Nature, right under your feet. And now as we settle into what we think, can we quantify it as level five? This, whatever lockdown we are coming into now. Yeah. Um, now is the time to do that, to, to get exactly. out within your 5K for a walk and and, and see your wonderful Even areas. Even the old yeah. houses, you know, I mean, Ireland is full of the big old houses from the 17 and 1800s, most of which are now surrounded by housing estates or apartments. But a lot of the houses still exist, perhaps in apartments or whatever. All yeah. of they, they all have a history. And that even is interesting to look look up those houses and see what you can find out about people who lived there before. Even go to the census. The census of 1901 and the census of 1911 is online. So you could put in the house and you could maybe just find out even about who lived there. Look, at, it's all about distraction as far as I'm concerned as well. And this is a great way of distracting yourself away from all, as you say, the circus of horror <laughs> in which we're in which we're currently uh, marooned, <laughs> and it's all part of the the title of of your web series, how, how to, to stay, stay sane, sane during a pandemic, and this it's a great really way to important. do it. Yeah, um, I I try not to uh, take it for granted. I'm blessed. Um, I'm in Dublin Eight. I'm in Inchicore. Wow, and we're with loads walking of history. Distance. Oh, it, it all happened here. Um, yeah. Kilmainham Jail, Richmond yeah. Barracks. Yeah. Um, Even all, the, all what, the, the the rail works and everything that are there, more recent absolutely, history. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It all happened here in Inchicore. So a short walk uh, around the area. It's is, fascinating. It can be fascinating. And then we're lucky then in terms of green space because we're close to the Phoenix, Phoenix Park. Park. We've yeah. got the memorial, the War Memorial Gardens. And Which are Hospital beautiful Kilmainham as well, again. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You've been reading a lot during the pandemic as well, during lockdown. Yeah. I mean, I was always a reader, uh, but one of the things that I've constantly moaned about for the last, I suppose, 10 years is the fact that my 
mobile phone has robbed so much of my time. You know, you get into bed at night and instead of picking up the book, you pick up your bloody phone and you fall down a rabbit hole on Twitter or <laughs> Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And, you know, by the time you put the phone down and pick up the book, you're wrecked and you read a page of your book. And then you're wondering why it's taken you so long to read the novel. It's actually not bad, but you're just reading so slowly. So one of the things, possibly because so much of our lives now is on screen, you know, that we're staring into a screen. Um, I find that when I go to bed now, I'm done with my phone. I've had, and also the fact that I don't want to know the news very often. I'm actually, you know, I don't want to be hit over the head again with how awful everything is. So mm. I have I have found great comfort in reading and reading a whole lot more. And I find the great thing about reading is, again, going back to the whole thing of distraction, you can watch a television program or a movie or you know, with only half an eye and you could be still doing something else. A book, you have to be totally focused on reading the book because you're reading that and you're imagining true. and it, you can't really be on your book and on your phone at the same time. So you can totally, and I love, I've always loved the kind of books that transport me into somebody else's lives. Not big into crime or thrillers or anything that makes me work too hard, but I love good characters and a good story and being able to inhabit somebody else's life. And again, it's a way of taking you out of yourself. So I have read some really great books this year that have done just that. Do you want me to give you a couple of recommendations? Please do. Yeah, please okay, do. These are my top three novels for 2020. First one uh, is a book called Hamnet, H-A-M-N-E-T, which I think was quite popular by Maggie. I have that here. <gasps> Connor, you I have treat. it here. Now, I haven't picked it up. I haven't <gasps> picked it up. I believe it to be a fantastic book. It is just a treat in store. And again, I would not usually read historical fiction. And this is basically about Shakespeare's family. He doesn't really feature other than a shady character. So it's about mainly his wife and his children. It is the most... He, he, had, a, he had a son, son Hamlet, called Hamnet, yeah. 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 So it's the most beautifully told, evocative book that will transport you back to the Middle Ages in England, to Shakespeare's time. Um, it's mostly set in the countryside. It's just beautifully written. And it's by an Irish writer, Maggie O'Farrell. And I think it oh. is a stunning book. Uh, so that's my number one. My second one is The Pull of the Stars, which was written by Emma Donoghue, she who wrote Room. People Love might be familiar Room with fame, yeah. and Lenny, Lenny Abrams and then made it into a movie. Um, so she's a great writer. Super and the movie. interesting thing about this book, which was published last March. So obviously it was written at least 12 months before that. It is set in Dublin in 1918 during the Spanish flu During the epidemic. Spanish flu. After oh 1916, words. but before the War of Independence. So there's all the agitation around, uh, you know, um, uh, around independence. And it is set over one weekend in a makeshift labor ward in the Rotunda Hospital where there are a number of women about to give birth, all of whom have the Spanish flu. So they have to be put into this separate, as I say, makeshift ward. Practically all female characters, a beautifully told story. And again, we'll take yeah. you back to another Dublin. Um, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And then finally, and this book, I'm really surprised I haven't heard more of because it's by an American author uh, called Sue Monk Kidd. Now, Sue Monk Kidd wrote The Secret Life of Bees, which was also made into a movie a couple of years ago. It was a beautiful book. This book, the one I'm talking about, is called The Book of Longing. And it is the okay. story of Anna, the wife of Jesus. Now, obviously, it's a fictionalized wife of Jesus and her story. Okay. But again, this book will take you to the Holy Land at the time of Jesus. It's a very female-centric story. 
beautifully told, absolutely beautifully told, and it will just pull you right in. And she is, it's quite a feminist story as well. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. So they would be my three top recommendations. But if people want more every week, sorry, every week, and I've, I haven't done any, and I've, I'm not planning to get it back up till the middle of this month because I've, I've one or two other things that I need to focus on first. But my How to Stay Sane in a Pandemic, uh, which is a webcast, all the previous episodes are up on my website, which is barbarascully.com. And each of my guests gives their recommendations for books and movies and podcasts. So um, if you're short of book suggestions, you could go on there and, and listen to any one of my previous. I think I have six episodes there and you could you could have a look and, and get some more book suggestions there. And I can vouch uh, it is a super series. I do love it. I do ah, love you're it. very good. Um, so do check that out. Um yeah, not that now I will put my hand up. I'm not an amazing reader. I don't read an awful lot. But when I do, there are books. But you mentioned Hamlet. One of my favorite books um, that I've reread a couple of times now is a Bill Bryson book uh, about He's Shakespeare. Great. I haven't but, read that one. Well, do you know what? It's a fabulous book. You get a whole book about how little we know about Shakespeare. Shakespeare's life. Shakespeare's life. Yeah. So it's actually a very funny book insofar as what you learn from the book is how little we actually know about him. Right. There, there are so many periods of his, of his life that he disappeared. There's no records of, well, um, it, attributing uh, him to his own work is tricky at best. Uh, there are, to- there are parts of his family life that we do not know, verify mm. the one image we have uh, of Shakespeare that you think of in your mind May not even may not be, be him. him. Yeah. We, we we don't know, but it's a super book. So um, that's that's probably one he's of my, a good writer. My favorites. Yeah, he's a good writer. Oh, he's super. Books, he's super. Yeah. He's yeah. super. Um, listen, I swore I wouldn't keep you too long, mm-hmm. so I think we'll start to move towards the end. I do want to um ask you about, and and again, it's this idea of moving into twenty twenty one. One of the things I had in mind that I want to talk about is the idea that the vaccine is going to be rolled out while. We still remember the what we'll let's just call the old days, the idea <laughs> of tactility and hugging, because that's what I miss so much. Yeah, no, I know. I miss hugging my friends and I miss, you know, a handshake. Yeah. Because a handshake tells you so much about a person. Um, so I, I miss all of that. How do you feel about, you know, the, the hope that well, we're stepping into 2021 now? With, it's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting past. question because, um, I have a love-hate relationship with Christmas. At times I've loved it, at other times I've hated it, depending on where I was in my own life. Um, but Christmas recently has been magical because I have grandchildren and because they I have two now, one of whom I have not met yet. They live in Australia. But Emily, who's my granddaughter and who's now three and a half, is my heart. And and I, I, I mean, she's just the most special person ever. Um, and I, I'm sure Max will be when I ever get to meet him. But she's been home for the last, uh, well, for two of her three Christmases, and we were out there for one. So she's been a part of Christmas, and that has made it magical. And this year, so this year we had a very quiet Christmas. They couldn't come home. My mother couldn't come to us. So there was just the four of us here. But it was lovely. I mean, it was very pared back, but there was something very chilled and very relaxed about it. And for the first time ever, because I normally come to New Year and go, right, 1st of January, everything down. The Christmas tree is dying. It's dropping pine pine cones I was going to say it's dropping its little pine needles all over the place 
everything gone. Let's get all the fest. Let's get set for the new year. And, you know, so from the 1st of January, Barbara's house is normally completely devoid of any Christmas and I'm ready to go into the new year. This year, it was the 2nd of January when we took everything down. And I said to my husband, I actually don't want to put away all the lights uh, because they're yeah, actually yeah. cheering me up. And we had put some lights onto the back garden as well as the front garden. And my children were like a bit mortified saying, mom, you can't leave the lights up in the front garden. People are going to think you've lost the plot, but I've left the lights up in the back garden and I've left the lights up in the back garden because we may not choose to put them on every night, but what I've said to them indoors is someday this will all be over, hopefully this year, and we will have a party in the garden and we'll have our neighbors in and we'll have our friends in and we'll have all the people we missed and we will dance and we will hug and we will, you know, do all of the things. And those fairy lights will still be there because and, and every time we feel kind of a bit down, turn on the fairy lights and just think in the summertime, maybe, maybe, maybe in the summertime, these lights will be on because we will be having a party in the garden with a barbecue, with drinks, with people we love. Um, and that's, I think part of again just trying to stay focused on that and you know the other thing which I I was said to somebody the other day is and I know it's a cliche but a lot of cliches are cliches because they're true the darkest hour is always before the dawn you know it's when the night seems longest so hold on because although it seems really dark at the moment I think we will start to turn that corner eventually and maybe not too the not too distant future that is the most wonderful bit of hope that I really <laughs> wanted to channel into this episode. So I think that is the point at where we wrap this up. Barbara, Connor, thank you so I much. Should say, I should say my neighbours are probably looking out their back window going, that feckin' Egypt still has her lights up in the garden. What's she at? Well, <laughs> do anyway. you know what as well? I've seen people on Instagram and, and Facebook and social media taking their tree down and taking their lights down. Um, at time of recording of, I've let our listeners listeners know we're recording this on 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 Monday the fourth, and like, I'm very slow to take my decorations yeah, down and take the yeah. tree down. It's certainly going to still be up by the by the weekend the at least. I want to milk it as far as I can. No, you're dead right. Um, you're dead right. You're dead right. Because it is nice, uh, and it's nice to walk into the room, and I'm, I'm at home it's at cozy. the moment. Um, and my mother um, has, like, she puts garlands over the mantelpiece with Beautiful. lights in them. It's really pretty. And you know what? Um, given the circumstances, yeah. I want to take my decorations down. And I'm I'd not say going there'll to be people yet. who still have their decorations up in July. Oh, that's grand. Hopefully, that's what gets you hopefully. through, that's fine. <laughs> because I did see people back in March online yeah. when all of this kicked off saying, ah, here, tell with this, I'm putting my tree up. Yeah. And people did. I did see one or two people do that. Um, Barbara... I know by the time this episode um, airs, uh, you mentioned how to stay sane during the pandemic. You're yeah. going to be back in the middle of uh, Hopefully January. Hopefully around the middle of January, yeah. I have something else that I need to get to concentrate on. And I love doing the how to stay sane in the pandemic. But as you will know, when you start doing a podcast, it does eat up a lot of your time. Um, it really does. There's it a lot really of prep does. that needs to go into it. So thank you there for is. asking me to be a guest on yours. I'm very honoured and uh Thank well, you. I should share this with the listeners. I will say when I asked you to do it um, and you came back with notes and you prepped and I just thought, oh my God, this is amazing. So I'm so <laughs> grateful to you for doing that. I really, oh, really appreciate it. Uh, would you pleasure. come back and chat to me again sometime? I, listen, you only have to ask. No problem. Absolutely <laughs> be delighted to. Delighted. Barbara, a very genuine thank you so much and a happy new year to you. 
And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Episode two is standing by for you now. Uh, ready when you are, as we like to say. Uh, but um, Barbara, I'm sending nothing but gratitude to you. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been the Celebration Sessions. Thank you.